Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left field. Back goes Garrett, feeling for the wall at the fence. It is going, going, and gone. Goodbye. It is now Arizona 7 and Washington 3. Here it comes. Swinging a ground ball toward the whole left side. Off the glove of the diving third baseman, Rojas. It's a base hit. Thomas will score. Ruiz to second. RBI single, Joy Manessis. It's 7-5 D-backs. Manessis. Facing Castro in the ninth inning last night in a bullet liner that Perdomo made a great play on to catch it short. And here's a swing and a long drive to left field. Way up there. It's going. It's going. And it's gone. Goodbye. Bang. Zoom goes Joey Benessis with a majestic soaring high fly ball. A roof scraper inside Chase Field. Joey Manessa's second home run of the year is a three-run blast in the ninth inning. And for the second day in a row, the Nationals have come all the way back in the ninth inning to take the lead. It's now Washington 9 and Arizona 8. Unbelievable. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, May 8th. 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. You know, what's funny is that the first game of the Nats three-game series at the Arizona Diamondbacks over the weekend was a ho-hum, not much happening, 3-1 loss on Friday night. Uh, Boy, did the final two games of the series make up for that first game. Saturday night, we had the Bonkers 8-7 walk-off loss in a game in which the Nats overcame a 6-2 ninth inning deficit with a five-run ninth, but then gave up two runs in the bottom of the ninth. And then on Sunday, a Bonkers 9-8 win in a game in which the Nats overcame an 8-5 eighth inning deficit with a run in the top of the eighth and three runs in the top of the ninth. The Nats, in fact, scored six of their nine runs over the final three innings of the game. The cardiac Nats struck again. Joey Manessis, he and the Nats, three-run ninth on Sunday, a three-run home run to left field to give the Nats that 9-8 lead. Nats now 14-20, and 10-9 and since the 4-11 and 11 start. You know, Mark, the Nats technically lost this series, two games to one, but boy, this doesn't feel like a series loss, uh, at least not to me. 
No, I, I think that's a fair assessment. And you know, you start to see a team build some character along the way, and this was a character-building win. Listen, after what happened on Saturday night and the way this game was going, for the majority of it, they would have been excused, I think, by most had they just sort of gone through the motions, played it out, taken the loss, taken the sweep, head up to San Francisco and hope for something better. And to their credit, that's what they did not do. They kept battling all the way through it. And seventh inning, they send eight guys to the plate. They score two runs. It felt like pulling teeth to try to score runs because they were, of course, doing it with singles. But they kept hanging in there just enough. They overcame a pitching staff that intended to walk every single batter they faced, it seemed like. And then they find themselves in position once again in the ninth and went to the guy who was so big for them last year, who has not been big enough for them this year. And Joey Manessis kind of reminded everyone, hang on a second, maybe he does still have that in him to deliver a titanic hit to give them the win. And it felt good for him. He needed that one. They needed this one. That was a gut check win on a day when they very easily could have just gone through the motions, I think. The Nats in this game on Sunday, nine runs, 15 hits, three walks. The Nats won this game on Sunday despite issuing, as Mark just alluded to, 11 walks, including five Nats relievers combining to issue nine walks. It was remarkable (laughs) that the Nats were even in this game, let alone won this game, and yet the Nats did just that. And you know what is especially noteworthy about these two back-to-back ninth inning comebacks? I mean, here you have a Nats team that still for this regular season has totaled a mere 22 home runs. The Nats are next to last in the majors in home runs, and yet fueling these ninth inning comebacks have been these big home runs. Three huge home runs over these two ninth inning comebacks. If you didn't know better, you'd think that this was a home run hitting team. And I think that is what is sticking with me more than anything. I mean, the Nats, for the bulks of these games, have done their 2023 Nationals thing of, you know, station to station baseball and scoring on, you know, fielders, choice grounders and things of that nature. And then in the ninth inning, it's like they turn into a totally different team. Clutch power we're seeing in these ninth inning comebacks. And in theory, you should be facing tougher pitchers in the ninth inning, should you not? And for whatever reason, that hasn't been the case. Look, I was, you know, as was the case the night before, you're crafting a story uh, as a beat writer as it goes on. And at that point, I pretty much had one finished. And the gist of it was that even though the Nats out hit the Diamondbacks in the game, they were going to lose because the Diamondbacks hit three home runs and the Nationals hit zero. And how often have we seen that be the case this year? And then all of a sudden, they flip that switch and hit one as big as any that they've had this year. I don't know why it's happening for them in the ninth inning, and it's not happening earlier. There's a different edge maybe they come to the plate with, but they you know, took down Andrew Chafin on Saturday, and then they took down Miguel Castro on Sunday. And I mean, it was bang, 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 double by Luis Garcia, hustle double, single for Cabot Ruiz, and then the big blast, the three-run homer for Joey Benesis. And just like that, they're in the lead. And I don't know why that is the case. You would love to channel whatever that is that they're coming up with here in the ninth inning and say, hey, let's do that throughout the game. They did not. They didn't come close to hitting the ball for any power. It was all singles until the Garcia double in the ninth. Nothing but singles until the ninth inning. Chafin got wrecked by the Nats on Saturday night. Castro got wrecked by the Nats on Sunday. It was almost inhumane, (laughs) the extent to which the Nats abused those two Diamondbacks relievers in particular. Just awesome stuff by the Nats. 
So yeah, Joey Manessis, I mean, what more can you say? What a home run for him. You talk about a guy needing to hit a home run, just his second home run of this regular season. You know, Manessis has been getting his singles. We've talked about that. The lack of power, though, is what has stood out. But Manessis on Sunday, three for five with a three-run homer. He also had an RBI single and another single. You know, he had other big hits in this game. Two-run seventh, a two-out RBI single through the left side of the infield to cut the Nats deficit to 7-5. But that home run, man, I mean, a three-run shot to left field to give the Nats a 9-8 lead. You know, I don't know that we can say anything more than that was just a great home run because, you know, I thought after his first home run, he was going to get going. Didn't happen. Maybe the second home run gets him going. Who knows? But, you know, the old cliche of like, he needed that. I mean, Manessis needed that and he got it in a big way. And he needed to do it like that. Not an opposite field shot, but to turn on a ball and crush it like that. That's what he has not been doing. A lot of his hits have been center field, right field. And it's a matter of timing, recognizing the pitches this one was off a slider. He stayed on it. He kept his you know, front shoulder closed and turned on it and drove it like that. And I have to wonder, you know, in the back of my mind, did he just feel something in this ballpark? Because while he has not hit for much power this season for the Nationals, he did hit for power for Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, specifically here at Chase Field. And I wonder if something about that, he hearkened back to those nights in March because it looked like that. That was the way he hit the ball with authority in those games. And that's the way he hit the ball with authority in this one. I don't know if he's going to get going now or not. We've been talking about him all season long. Was last year a mirage. Could he still be that guy? Could he be anything close to resembling that guy? This was a great step in the right direction but he's got to now do it over the course of several games and several weeks before we can declare him back. Well, my theory is Cinco de Mayo weekend. I mean, it fits in perfectly, right? (laughs) Mexican heritage, Cinco de Mayo, there you go. Joey Medeses with a big weekend, certainly a big day on Sunday. Great to see that. Hope that we see more of that. You mentioned Luis Garcia. What a series he ended up having. And, you know, with everything else happening in this series, I feel like not enough of a spotlight has been put on what Luis Garcia did in this series. So he was the Nats' number two batter in all three games in this series. Perhaps he's settling into that spot in Davey Martinez's lineup. Friday night, two for four, solo homer and a single. Saturday night, three for five, double and two singles. And Sunday, Luis Garcia got on base four times, three for four with a double, an RBI single, another single, and a walk. The RBI single, two-run fifth, a two-out RBI single to right field to tie the game at three. And then what he did in the three-run ninth inning. And what a moment this was. And boy, did this end up foreshadowing what ended up happening in that three-run ninth. The three-run ninth began. First pitch, Garcia swings and lines it to left. It's going to fall in front of Gurriel again. And problem seeing the ball. Garcia's trying for second. They cut off the throw and he'll make it. Now, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. tortured the Nats offensively in this series. Gurriel had a monster series offensively. But man, was this a bad moment and a bad look for him. A casual playing of the baseball. He ends up doing a 360 spin in fielding the ball. I don't know what he was thinking in doing that. And then Luis Garcia, who ironically, right, himself has been guilty of playing things too casually at times in the field. He capitalizes on this casual nature of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., ends up hustling to second base for a double. What a job by Luis Garcia. What a bonehead play by Gurriel, but awesome work by Luis Garcia to hustle out that double. It was. It was fantastic. But as it's happening, I'm thinking, and I'm sure Davey Martinez is thinking, don't get thrown out here. 
You're down two runs. You're the leadoff hitter in the ninth. The last thing you need to do is make an out at second base. To his credit, he read it very well. There was no hesitation. He went for it and he slid in to get the double and that did set the tone for the whole inning. I don't know what was going on with Coriel at left field. He had some weird moments in this game, the kind of stuff that you'd say, oh, he must have lost the ball in the sun, except for the fact that the roof was closed. So it wasn't that. I don't know what exactly. He did enough damage with his bat. I would think ultimately he still hit more in than he allowed to come in, but it was getting a little close there for for him. But yeah, quietly a very good series for Garcia, who we talked about for a couple of years, like, is he going to be a top of the lineup guy? And it sort of slowly and quietly happened. And here he is now kind of consistently batting as their number two guy and having some success with that. So good for him for seizing that opportunity. And we're finally talking about young building blocks hitting at the top of the lineup instead of at the bottom of it. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Joey Fourbags Manessis? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. He works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons, just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflict. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you, and that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202-486-3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market, and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a Rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The kick and the pitch. Breaking ball, line to right. That's going to fall in. A base hit in front of Pavin Smith. And Luis Garcia comes through with a game-tying RBI single on the 2-0 pitch. C.J. Abrams on Sunday, two for four with a couple of singles, including a bunt single, a bunt single in a one-run eighth to the right side of the infield, and the bunt forced the throwing error by the Diamondback second baseman, Cattell Marte. Take that, all of you anti-bunt people. Stone Garrett had himself a couple of hits in this game, two for five with two leadoff singles. He did uh, strike out three times, but uh, Garrett contributed. And the Nats end up coming through offensively in this game. I don't know what to make of the Nats offensively. I I really don't because they don't hit home runs on the whole. And yet now we're seeing they have this penchant for hitting home runs in the ninth innings of games. You're not overwhelmed by them offensively. And yet, as we've talked about, the team batting average and team on base percentage actually aren't that bad. It is still early in the season. So, you know, the entire complexion of things can change over the course of, you know, another few weeks, months, et cetera. Like, you know, we're not even a full quarter of the way into the season. But yeah, I mean, this team does have something to it offensively. I'm not sure exactly what. You can't sit here and say it's a good offensive team, but there is something to it here. I mean, I think that's what's encouraging about especially these last two games. There is a pulse here with this team, especially from a power hitting standpoint. There is potential, and it seems like when things happen, it happens in bunches. So it is contagious, and when they have a good day or have a good inning or several innings, it all comes together. The problem is there's no consistency with that both game to game, but even within a game. We've talked about so many times how they could be really good the first few innings and then get shut down the rest of the way, or in this case, hardly do anything early on and then you know catch fire there in the late innings. So there needs to be a little more consistency there from them at bat to at bat and all the way around. But yes, they do have the ability if they're all doing things the way they're supposed to, they have the right approach, they don't chase out of the zone too much, which has always been a problem for a lot of those guys. I'm fascinated by this. Why is it that all of a sudden in the ninth inning, it starts to come together like that? It doesn't make sense for a team like this, a lineup like this, but there's some magic there. And we talk about it with like relief pitchers. Once you get through a tough spot, maybe that sits with you and you know you can do it again. It applies to a lineup as well. Hey, that's back-to-back ninth inning rallies. And I know they only won one of the two, but that's got to be the kind of thing in the back of your mind. You feel like, okay, we're in that position again. We've done this before. We can do it again. Yeah. I mean, the Diamondbacks were not impressive in this series, I didn't think. For a team that's so good defensively, you saw some defensive sloppiness. The bullpen had all kinds of problems. So, you know, I guess we'll see against other teams, can the Nats replicate this? But yeah, I mean, very impressive stuff by the Nats. I also wanted to mention Dominic Smith. He on Sunday, one for three with a single and two walks. He, in two of the plate appearances, was down 0-2 and then ended up having a single in one plate appearance, a walk in another. But we also, with Dom Smith, had him being thrown out at home for the third out in what ended up being just a one-run national second inning. The bat swing and a fly ball to shallow right. Paven Smith coming in, and he makes the catch for the out. Smith tagging. He's coming home, throwing the plate on a few hops, and the plate blocked off completely by the catcher, Herrera, who had the ball. Smith is out and the inning is over. We haven't harped on this a lot this season because there hasn't been much reason to. You know, the sends by Gary D. Sarcino. I mean, it hasn't really been that much of an issue. So I don't want to kill the guy for one bad send here. But man, (laughs) this was rough. Dominic Smith got thrown out by a mile in attempting to score on a C.J. Abrams flyout to shallow right field. Uh, The throw coming from Diamondbacks right fielder Paven Smith. What do you think the thinking was in sending Dom Smith on that fly ball? 
I don't know. I think it may have been an okay send with a different runner, but not with Dom Smith, who himself didn't really seem ready for it, to be honest. He wasn't immediately back to the base, ready to go. He kind of took a few steps, then slowly retreated and like just got back in time. As he took off from third, you could see he's looking at the throw. It wasn't like he just focused on straight running at the plate, and he was out by a healthy margin. Now, maybe if that's Victor Robles, C.J. Abrams, Lane Thomas, some other guys, you can make that work to put the pressure on them. It did not feel like that one was worth the gamble. And what's even stranger is that it came moments after DeSarcina held him at third on the previous single to center, which I thought yeah, there was a case to be made for waving him around. Maybe he'd be thrown out as well on that one. But why the hold on the one and the send on the next one when it's the same runner and on a fly ball that was not very deep in right field at all? No, that was a strange moment in the game. But the Nats win the game, and that's what matters. Hey, guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Here's the set in the pitch. Swag and a miss! He blows him away with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And a Curly W's in the books. Hunter Harvey with his first Major League save. And the Nationals storm out of the dugout to celebrate a victory here at Chase Field in Phoenix. So from a pitching standpoint on Sunday, uh, well, things were not so good. Trevor Williams, who overall has been good for the Nats this season, had the worst of his starts so far. Williams in this 9-8 win on Sunday, five runs in four into third innings. He gave up seven hits, two home runs, a triple, two doubles, and two singles. He issued two walks and a run-scoring balk, did have five strikeouts, uh, he threw 86 pitches over the four and a third innings. There was an at least semi-rough defensive moment with Williams on the mound. Uh, Lane Thomas had trouble with a fly ball off the bat of Cattell Marte that ended up being an RBI triple in the bottom of the fifth inning. But, you know, otherwise, Williams just seemed off. He gave up a leadoff homer by Lourdes Gurriel to tie the game at one, bottom of the second. He gave up two runs, bottom of the fourth, leadoff home run by Kristen Walker, a one-out balk that scored Gurriel from third base. And, you know, a guy in Williams who we had grown accustomed to seeing go at least five innings, we don't see him go five innings in this game. You know, I guess in some ways he had spoiled us just because he had been, you know, really good, but he was not so good on Sunday. No, and he knew it, and this is not at all what he was looking to do. He said he really only had command of his fastball, and he didn't even have that all the time because he left a few of them 
right over the plate, including on one of the home runs. So he was not feeling it in this game. Very high pitch count. This was a slow plotting game that for most of it did not feel like a 2023 major league game. It felt like 2022 in the pace of play and just the lack of quality pitching. Let's be clear. This was not a clean game for either team. The Diamondbacks didn't play well. The Nationals really did not play well in this game, defensively on the bases and certainly pitching. And it started with Williams. The balk was just sloppy. Like there's no other way to explain it. It's not even a case you say, oh, well, I can see what he's trying to do. He just like started to come set, but then didn't. You just can't do that in that situation. It didn't come back to haunt them in the end, but just a, a sloppy start for him in a sloppy game. And he expected better of himself, I know, especially coming off his best start of the season. So we had Trevor Williams struggling on Sunday, and then we had what we had with the Nats bullpen. So Saturday night, right, the 8-7 walk-off loss, four Nats relievers combined to give up six runs in two and a third innings, Carl Edwards Jr., Mason Thompson, and Kyle Finnegan all having problems. This 9-8 win on Sunday, five Nats relievers combined to allow three runs in four and two-thirds innings, and the five relievers combined for a whopping nine walks. This was something. Andres Machado, bottom of the fifth, Faced two batters, got just two outs, came into the game uh, with a runner on third, one out, Nats down 4-3, issued a two-out walk of Paven Smith, and then gave up a two-out, three-run home run by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to left field for a 7-3 Diamondbacks lead. Hobie Harris, he then tossed a scoreless bottom of the sixth, despite issuing three walks. Thaddeus Ward, he in the bottom of the seventh allowed a run. He faced six batters. He issued an astounding four walks. Thaddeus Ward in the bottom of the seventh, 24 pitches, eight strikes versus 16 balls. The lone Nats reliever who actually did well on Sunday, Erasmo Ramirez, one and a third scoreless innings, and he got out of a tight jam, to be sure. Bottom of the seventh, bases loaded, two outs, Nats down 8-5. Ramirez induced a pop-up, I could tell Marte, for the third out. And then Hunter Harvey, not Kyle Finnegan, Ended up closing out this game. Harvey, a scoreless bottom of the ninth for the save. Third baseman, Ildemaro Vargas, a very nice uh, jumping catch of a liner by pinch hitter Emmanuel Rivera for the second out. A lot to take in with the Nats bullpen for a second consecutive game. But geez, five relievers, nine walks. (laughs) Not a formula for success. And yet the Nats somehow won this game. Well, when everyone out there is screaming and complaining about Davey Martinez overusing his A bullpen guys and saying, you've got to trust others, Davey himself says, I've got to start using some other guys in big spots. Well, he gave them a chance and this came and look what happened. Didn't go so well. The Harris and Ward innings were particularly troublesome. I know they're rookies. I know they're maybe not accustomed to being in those kind of spots, but if they're going to be on this team all season... You've got to be able to at least throw the ball over the plate. The irony is that prior to the game, Davey was singing the praises of Thaddeus Ward specifically for how he had been throwing strikes recently and not issuing walks. And they came right out and, like you said, walked four of the six batters that he faced. So not good. It's hard to explain. I know it can be tough pitching here at times because it's so dry. Guys don't have the best grip on the ball at times. I don't think that's completely an excuse for any of it, though. And on a day when they needed others to pitch because of the situation, because what others had done, that was not a case of these other guys stepping up and showing that they should be entrusted with big situations. But then it came to the ninth. And I was wondering all day, if they're in a position, what are they going to do after what happened the night before? And I thought to myself, okay, Davey has an out here. Because Finnegan 
had pitched four out of five days, he can make the explanation that, well, he just wasn't available. So if we have a safe situation, we go to Hunter Harvey. Sure enough, that's what happened. Harvey, to his credit, got the job done, wasn't totally clean himself. A walk and a scorched line drive that are not for a great catch by Vargas at third base. We could have a very different story right now. But he got the job done, finished it off with 100 miles an hour, first career save, fantastic moment for him, long awaited. The question now is, what happens the next time they have a lead in the ninth inning? And I don't know the answer to that yet. I don't know that Davey necessarily knows either. You know, just in watching this game, though, first of all, with Thaddeus Ward, it's so funny. The irony is on Saturday night, he was the lone Nats reliever who did pitch well. The other three guys struggled. Thaddeus Ward actually did not. But, you know, you just take a step back and you look at what happened in this series. You had Saturday night, four relievers being used. Sunday, five relievers being used. The Nats still don't have a scheduled off day coming up until Thursday. (laughs) This is not sustainable. Like, you can't keep doing this. And, you know, the Nats starting pitching really hasn't been that bad. Like, you are getting some decent work by some starters, even better than decent from, you know, say, Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray. You know, guys need to be better. There's no doubt. I wonder, though, if Davey is going to have to force himself to stick with guys for more than, say, an inning at a time and not go from one guy to the next. Because you can't keep this up. I mean, like I said, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season. You use nine relievers over these last two games. It's just not sustainable. I mean, that's going to have to start optioning guys back and forth from Rochester just to get some fresh arms in the bullpen. Yeah, I think his intention, Davey's intention in this game, especially down as they were, was to try to get through this with Machado and maybe just Harris, those two, or maybe one more guy. And instead, these guys could not finish innings because of the walk. So he couldn't let Hobie Harris come back for a second inning. It's 29 pitches, one inning. He couldn't leave Ward out there the way that was going. Now you got to burn a Rasmo Ramirez. And then you want to believe that your team's going to rally and you have a chance to pitch the bottom of the ninth, but he probably wasn't fully expecting that. But now that happens. And here's Hunter Harvey. The answer, either you're sticking with the guy who's not throwing strikes and trying to get multiple innings out of him, or you're being aggressive, making the move and trying to stay in the game. And it is a fine balance like we've talked about. You're trying to win winnable games, but you also have to understand you can't burn these guys out because it is going to catch up with them. Maybe it is already catching up with them. Yeah. I mean, if you look at cumulative innings thrown by relievers this season, the Nats don't rate in the upper half of MLB. So it hasn't been as bad as it might seem, but certainly lately there has been a lot in the way of relievers being called upon. And certainly over the final two games of this series, we've had a lot of that. And you know, there is kind of like a snowball effect because when you have relievers struggling and they're doing things like issuing walks, the innings become high stress innings and the pitches become high stress pitches. There's a difference obviously between a one, two, three inning and an inning in which you're laboring and throwing a lot of pitches and putting guys on base and having to, you know, stress about every little pitch that you throw. And, you know, you you seeing a lot of that with these relievers lately. Like I, I think that might be one of Finnegan's issues is that it, it feels like every inning this guy throws, it's like Okay, here we go. Up, oh, he put the leadoff guy on. You know, now you got to worry. Now you got to tense up. And it's like those pitches are more taxing than pitches in an inning in which you cruise. And what this bullpen desperately needs is an easy breezy game. Now, you did get that on Friday night. The bullpen was good and, you know, relatively clean on Friday night. But yeah, it's been a rough go of it. And it's tough to keep going through like this because, again, these arms are not going to hold up. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. And the unfortunate part of this is that Jake Irvin is starting on Monday. So who knows what you can realistically expect from him in his second major league start. You do not want to, as a manager, have to push a guy like that beyond what you would want to do just for the sake of your bullpen. So I'll be interested to see how that's handled and who Davey goes to on Monday whenever he decides that Irvin has had enough. 
The schedule has not done the Nats any favors with the lack of scheduled off days. They did get the rainout off day, but of course, they then had a double header. So I don't know how much that rainout off day ended up doing. The Nats do get the scheduled off day this Thursday, but then the Nats do not have another scheduled off day after that until May 22nd. And then that is the final off day schedule wise for the month of May. May has been brutal for the Nationals from a standpoint of playing all of these games. Now, you know, that's life in the big leagues, okay? I'm not telling anyone to start shedding tears for the Nats, but, you know, I think the hardest thing for a manager is bullpen management. I think it's tricky. There's so much to think about, not just in terms of who you put in games, but, you know, when you have a guy warm up, you know, because there's that to take into consideration, you know, the taxing nature of that. And when you don't have off days to kind of alleviate all of this, it makes things difficult. And, you know, I think Davey right now is in a tough way with the bullpen, with the lack of off days, with these relievers not getting out. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Nats ride this out. Boy, could they use a starter going like eight innings in a game. But in 2023, it's hard to anticipate that happening. Like that just doesn't happen with any kind of regularity these days. Yeah, I was going to say the best thing could happen to them right now would be a long start or even, God forbid, a complete game. Are we expecting that from Jake Irvin, Patrick Corbin, or Josiah Gray in San Francisco? Maybe. You never know. Good pitchers park. Maybe one of them can pull something off, but I would not go into the series counting on that happening. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that Jake Irvin is pitching again, so that is happening, and that's good. He earned it. Uh, So this will be a three-game set at the San Francisco Giants, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. Irvin, Corbin, and Gray, and... You know, I guess with Irvin, would you say it's kind of start to start? Like, depending on how he does, will determine whether he starts again for the Nats? Or do you think there is a bit of a leash here to where he's in the rotation for at least a few starts? I would like to think that they give him a little more leash than that. But if it really got ugly and if it was clear that he wasn't quite cut out for this yet, maybe you, uh, you know, look to bring up somebody with more experience like Apollo Espino, who will have made a few starts after that, Essence coming back from the IL. But I think they want to see Irvin. They want to get a look at him, see what he can do. Chad Cool has started playing catch in the outfield, but he's not thrown off a mound yet. So he's going to be out for a little bit here. And there are at least a couple of opportunities for somebody else to start. So I would think as long as Irvin doesn't look overwhelmed on Monday night, that he should get at least one more after that. But I don't think they want to come out and say that. I think they want him just focused on trying to do the task at hand and then uh, you know see if he gets another chance after that. Do want to mention this, some uh, Nationals news on Sunday. The Nats on Sunday announced that they had returned third baseman Cordero Kiboom from his rehab assignment, reinstated him from the 10-day injured list and optioned him to AAA Rochester. He had been on the 10-day IL since March 30th due to a right shoulder impingement. Kiboom Last May 27th, underwent Tommy John surgery on his right elbow. If you are a regular listener of the Nats Chat podcast, you were not surprised by this. Mark told us about this uh, a few shows back that, hey, when Carter Keeboom is ready to be activated, don't just assume that he's coming to the major league team. And sure enough, the Nats did not waste much time, activated him and sent him right to Rochester. And, you know, who knows uh, when we might see him at the major league level. He needs to go play every day. He needs to show that he can be productive, that he can be healthy. And then eventually, if he's doing enough there to warrant consideration, they can think about it. I would imagine we're not really going to be talking about him until July, at which point Jamer Candelario could be on the trade block. If they were to make that move, then you could see them bringing up Kiboon to finish out the year at third base. But honestly, if I'm Carter right now, I don't even want to be thinking about the big leagues. I want to think about go out there, play every day, show them I'm healthy, show them I can be a productive hitter and defensive player because it's been a long time since he's been that. And, you know, we keep talking about how many chances is he going to get. Well, the chance isn't in the big leagues right now. He needs to establish himself at AAA before he can even think about establishing himself in the big leagues. 
Yeah, you know, we may not be that far from saying he's playing for his career. You know, like at some point, the chances are going to run out. Now, you know, he's young enough to where if the Nats parted with him, you know, another team probably would sign him. But he was taken in 2016. Like we're coming up on what, seven years since he got drafted. So the time is now to get her going here. So hope that he does well. We'll see. Wow. What a last two days. If you're a Nationals fan, hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you on board. You can sponsor individual games, individual series. So we can get creative with what we do for you. Hit up Tim Shover's Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. We have a new website you can check out too, natschatpodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the show, contact the show, also get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the music. For the Nats Chat Podcast, visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Long wait, runner goes, hit deep, left field, and gone! Manessis!